Chapters 7 and 8 of Tom Swift and His War Tank. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. This recording is by Mark Smith of Simpsonville, South Carolina. Tom Swift and His War Tank by Victor Appleton. Chapter 7 Up a Tree. Want to come and have a look? asked Harry, as Ned paused in the patch of woods, which were in deeper darkness than the rest of the countryside, for night was fast falling. "'Have a look at what?' asked Ned, who was thinking many thoughts just then. "'At the elephant I saw back at the Swift factory. I wouldn't be scared if you come along.' "'Well, I'm going over to see Tom Swift anyhow,' answered Ned. "'So I'll walk that way.' You can come if you like. I don't care about spying on other people's property. I wasn't spying, exclaimed Harry quickly. I just happened to look, and then I seen something. Well, come on, suggested Ned. If there's anything there, we'll have a peep at it. His idea was not to try to see what Tom was evidently endeavoring to conceal, but it was to observe whence Harry had made his observation, and be in a position to tell Tom to guard against unexpected lookers-on from that direction. During the walk back along the course, over which Harry had run so rapidly a little while before, Ned and the boy talked of what the latter had seen. "'Do you think it could be some new kind of elephant?' asked Harry. "'You know Tom Swift brought back a big giant from one of his trips, and maybe he's got a bigger elephant than anyone ever saw before.' <laughs> nonsense laughed ned in the first place tom hasn't been on any trip of late except to washington and the only kind of elephants there are white ones really asked harry no that was a joke explained ned anyhow tom hasn't any giant elephants concealed up his sleeve i'm sure of that but what could this be asked harry it moved just like some big animal "'Probably some piece of machinery Tom was having carted from one shop to another,' went on the young bank clerk. "'Most likely he had it covered with a big piece of canvas to keep off the dew, and it was that you saw.' "'No, it wasn't,' insisted Harry, but he could not give any further details of what he had seen so that Ned could recognize it. They kept on until they reached the hill, at the bottom of which was the swift home and the grounds on which the various shops were erected.' "'Here's the place where you can look down right into the yard with the high fence around it,' explained Harry, as he indicated the spot. "'I can't see anything.' "'You have to climb up the tree,' Harry went on. "'Here, this is the one,' and he indicated a stunted and gnarled pine, the green branches of which would effectually screen anyone who once got up in it a few feet above the ground. "'Well, I may as well have a look.' decided Ned. It can't do Tom any harm, and it may be of some service to him. Here goes. Up into the tree he scrambled, not without some difficulty, for the branches were close together and stiff, and Ned tore his coat in the effort. But he finally got a position where, to his surprise, he could look down into the very enclosure from which Tom was so particular to keep prying eyes. You can see right down in it, Ned exclaimed. "'I told you so,' returned Harry. "'But do you see it?' Ned looked long and carefully. 
it was lighter, now that they were out of the clump of woods, and he had the advantage of having the last glow of the sunset at his back. Even with that it was difficult to make out objects on the surface of the enclosed field some hundred or more feet below. "'Do you see anything?' asked Harry again. "'No, I can't say I do,' Ned answered. "'The place seems to be deserted.' "'Well, there was something there,' insisted Harry. "'Maybe you aren't looking at the right place.' "'Have a look yourself, then,' suggested Ned as he got down, a task no more to his liking than the climb upward had been. Harry made easier work of it, being smaller and more used to climbing trees, a luxury Ned had perforce denied himself since going to work in the bank. Harry peered about, and then, with a sigh that had in it somewhat of disappointment, said, "'No, there's nothing there now, but I did see something.' "'Are you sure?' asked Ned. "'Positive,' answered the other. "'Well, whatever it was, some bitter machinery he was moving, I fancy Tom has taken it in now,' remarked Ned. "'Better not say anything about this, Harry. Tom mightn't like it known.' "'No, I won't.' "'And don't come here again to look. I know you like to see strange things, but if you'll wait, I'll ask Tom, as soon as it's ready, to let you have a closer view of whatever it is you saw.' "'Better keep away from this tree.' "'I will,' promised the younger lad. "'But I'd like to know what it was, if it really was a giant elephant. "'Say, if a fellow had a troop of them, he could have a lot of fun with them, couldn't he?' "'How?' asked Ned, hardly conscious of what his companion was saying. "'Why, he could dress them up in coats of mail like the old knights used to wear, "'and turn them loose against the Germans.' Think of a regiment of elephants wearing armor plates like a battleship, carrying on their backs a lot of soldiers with machine guns and charging against Fritz. Cracky! That would be a sight. I should say so, <laughs> agreed Ned with a laugh. There's nothing the matter with your imagination, Harry, my boy. And maybe that's what Tom's doing. What do you mean? I mean, maybe he is training elephants to fight in the war. You know he made an aerial warship, so why couldn't he have a lot of armor-plated elephants? Oh, I suppose he could if he wanted to, admitted Ned. But I guess he isn't doing that. Don't get to going too fast in high speed, Harry, or you may have a nightmare. Well, I'm going down to see Tom. And you won't tell him I was peeking? Not if you don't do it again. I'll advise him to have that tree cut down, though, it's too good a vantage spot. Harry turned and went in the direction of his home, while Ned kept on down the hill toward the house of his chum. The young bond salesman was thinking of many things as he tramped along, and among them was the information Harry had just given. But Ned did not pay a visit to his chum that evening. When he reached the house, he found that Tom had gone out, leaving no word as to when he would be back. Oh, well, I can tell him tomorrow, thought Ned. It was not, however, until two days later that Ned found the time to visit Tom again. On this occasion, as before, he took the road through the clump of woods where he had seen Harry running. "'And while I'm about it,' mused Ned, "'I may as well go on to the place where the tree stands and make sure by daylight that I only partially surmised in the evening that Tom's place can be looked down on from that vantage point.' 
sauntering slowly along, for he was in no special hurry, having the remainder of the day to himself, Ned approached the hill where the trees stood from which Harry had said he had seen what he took to be a giant elephant, perhaps in armor. "'It's a good clear day,' observed Ned, "'and fine for seeing. I wonder if I'll be able to see anything.' It was necessary first to ascend the hill to a point where it overhung, in a measure, the swift property, though the holdings of Tom and his father were some distance beyond the eminence. The tree from which Ned and Harry had made their observations was on a knob of the hill, the stunted pine standing out from among others like it. "'Well, here goes for another touring coat,' grimly observed Ned as he prepared to climb. "'But I'll be more careful. First, though, let's see if I can see anything without getting up.' He paused a little way from the pine and peered down the hill. Nothing could be seen of the big enclosed field back of the building, about which Tom was so careful. "'You have to be up to see anything,' mused Ned. "'It's up a tree for me. Well, here goes.' As Ned started to work his way up among the thick green branches, he became aware, suddenly and somewhat to his surprise, that he was not the only person who knew about the observation spot. For Ned saw, a yard above his head, as he started to climb, two feet encased in well-made boots, standing on a limb near the trunk of the tree. Oh-ho! mused Ned. Someone here before me. Where there are feet, there must be legs, and where there are legs, most likely a body. And it isn't hairy, either. The feet are too big for that. I wonder who. But Ned's musings were suddenly cut short, for the person up the tree ahead of him moved quickly and stepped on Ned's fingers, with no light tread. "'Ouch!' exclaimed the young bank clerk involuntarily, and letting go his hold of the limb, he dropped to the ground, while there came a startled exclamation from the screen of pine branches above him. End of chapter 7 Chapter 8 Detective Rad "'Who's there?' came the demand from the unseen person in the tree. "'I might ask you the same thing,' was Ned's sharp retort as he nursed his skinned and bruised fingers. "'What are you doing up there?' There was no answer, but a sound among the branches indicated that the person up the tree was coming down. In another moment a man leaped to the ground lightly and stood beside Ned. The lad observed that the stranger was clean-shaven, except for a small mustache which curled up at the ends slightly. "'For all the world like a small edition of the Kaisers,' Ned described it afterwards." "'What are you doing here?' demanded the man, and his voice had in it the ring of authority. It was this very quality that made Ned bristle up and get on his ear, as he said later. The young clerk did not object to being spoken to authoritatively by those who had the right, but from a stranger it was different. "'I might ask you the same thing,' retorted Ned. "'I have as much right here as you, I fancy, and I can climb trees, too.' "'but I don't care to have my fingers stepped on.' "'And he looked at the scarified members of his left hand. "'I beg your pardon. I'm sorry if I hurt you. "'I didn't mean to. "'And, of course, this is a public place, in a way, "'and you have a right here. "'I was just climbing the tree to get a fishing pole.' "'Ned had all he could do to keep from laughing. "'The idea of getting a fishing pole from a gnarled and stunted pine 
struck him as being altogether novel and absurd. Yet it was not time to make fun of the man. The latter looked too serious for that. "'Rather a good view to be had from up where you were, huh?' asked Ned suggestively. "'A good view?' exclaimed the other. "'I don't know what you mean.' "'Oh, then you didn't see anything,' Ned went on. "'Perhaps it's just as well. Are you fond of fishing?' "'Very, I have, but I forget. I do not know you nor you me. Allow me to introduce myself. I am Mr. Walter Simpson, and I am here on a visit. I just happened to walk out this way, and, seeing a small stream, thought I should like to fish. I usually carry lines and hooks, and all I needed was the pole. I was looking for it when I heard you, and—' "'I felt you,' interrupted Ned with a short laugh. He told his own name, but that was all, and seemed about to pass on. "'Are there any locomotive shops around here?' asked Mr. Simpson. "'Locomotive shops?' queried Ned. "'None that I know of. Why?' "'Well, I heard heavy machinery being used down there.' And he waved his hand toward Tom's shops. "'And I thought—' "'Oh, you mean Shopton!' exclaimed Ned. "'That's the Swift plant. No, they don't make locomotives, though they could if they wanted to, for they turn out airships, submarines, tunnel diggers, and I don't know what.' "'Do they make munitions there for the Allies?' asked Mr. Simpson, and there was an eager look on his face. "'No, I don't believe so,' Ned answered. "'Though, in fact, I don't know enough of the place to be in a position to give you any information about it,' he told the man, not deeming it wise to go into particulars. Perhaps the man felt this, as he did not press for an answer. The two stood looking at one another for some little time, and then the man, with a bow that had in it something of insolence, as well as politeness, turned and went down the path up which Ned had come. The young bank clerk waited a little while, and then turned his attention to the tree, which seemed to have suddenly assumed an importance altogether out of proportion to its size. "'Well, since I'm here, I'll have a look up that tree,' decided Ned. Favoring his bruised hand, Ned essayed the ascent of the tree more successfully this time. As he rose up among the branches, he found he could look down directly into the yard with a high fence around it. He could see only a portion, good as his vantage point was, and that portion had in it a few workmen, nothing else. "'No elephants there,' said Ned with a smile, as he remembered Harry's excitement. "'Still, it's just as well for Tom to know that his place can be looked down on. I'll go and tell him.' As Ned descended the tree, he caught a glimpse, off to one side among some bushes, of something moving. "'I wonder if that's my simp friend playing I spy,' mused Ned. "'Guess I'd better have a look.' He worked his way carefully close to the spot where he had seen the movement. Proceeding then with more caution, watching each step and parting the bushes with a careful hand, Ned beheld what he expected." There was the late occupant of the pine-tree, the man who had stepped on Ned's fingers, applying a small telescope to his eye, and gazing in the direction of Tom Swift's home. The man stood concealed in a screen of bushes with his back toward Ned, and seemed oblivious of his surroundings. He moved the glass to and fro, and seemed eagerly intent on discovering something. "'Though what he can see of Tom's place from there isn't much,' mused Ned. 
I've tried it myself, and I know. You have to be on an elevation to look down. Still it shows he's after something, all right. Guess I'll throw a little scare into him. As yet, Ned believed himself unobserved, and that his presence was not suspected, was proved a moment later when he shouted, "'Hey, what are you doing there?' He had his eye on the partially concealed man, and the latter, as Ned said afterward, jumped fully two feet in the air, dropping his telescope as he did so, and turned to face the lad. "'Oh, it's you, is it?' he faltered. "'No one else,' and Ned grinned. "'Looking for a good place to fish, I presume?' Then, at least for once, the man's suave manner dropped from him as if it had been a mask. He bared his teeth in a snarl as he answered, "'Mind your own business!' "'Something I'd advise you also to do,' replied Ned smoothly. "'You can't see anything from there,' he went on. "'Better go back to the tree and cut a fishing pole.' With this parting shot, Ned sauntered down the hill and swung around to make his way toward Tom's home. He paid no further attention to the man, save to determine, by listening, that the fellow was searching among the bushes for a dropped telescope. The young inventor was at home, taking a hasty lunch which Mrs. Baggert had set out for him, the while he pored over some blueprint drawings that, to Ned's unaccustomed eyes, seemed like the mazes of some intricate puzzle. "'Well, where have you been keeping yourself, old man?' asked Tom Swift, after he had greeted his friend. "'I might ask the same of you,' retorted Ned, with a smile. "'I've been trying to find you to give you some important information, and I made up my mind, after what happened today, to write it and leave it for you if I didn't see you.' "'What happened today?' asked Tom, and there was a serious look on his face. "'You are being spied upon.' "'At least that part of your work's enclosed in the new fence is,' replied Ned. "'You don't mean it!' cried Tom. "'This accounts for some of it, then.' "'For some of what?' asked Ned. "'For some of the actions of that Blakeson. "'He's been hanging around here, I understand, "'asking too many questions about things that I'm trying to keep secret, "'even from my best friends.' and as Tom said this, Ned fancied there was a note of regret in his voice. "'Yes, you are keeping something secret, Tom,' said Ned, determined to take the bull by the horns, as it were. "'I'm sorry, but it has to be,' went on Tom. "'In a little while, though.' "'Oh, don't think that I'm at all anxious to know things,' broke in Ned. "'I was thinking of someone else, Tom, another of your friends.' "'Do you mean Mary?' Ned nodded. "'She feels rather keenly your lack of explanations,' went on the young bank clerk. "'If you could only give her a hint.' "'I'm sorry, but it can't be done,' and Tom spoke firmly. "'But you haven't told me all that happened. You say I am being spied upon.' "'Yes,' and Ned related what had taken place in the tree. "'Whew!' whistled Tom. "'That's going some with a vengeance. "'I must have that tree down in a jiffy. "'I didn't imagine there was a spot where the yard could be overlooked, "'but I evidently skipped that tree. "'Fortunately, it's on land owned by a concern with which I have some connection, "'and I can have it chopped down without any trouble. "'Much obliged to you, Ned. "'I shan't forget this in a hurry. "'I'll go right away now and—' 
Tom's further remark was interrupted by the hurried entrance of Eradicate Sampson. The old man was smiling in pleased anticipation, evidently, at the same time, trying hard not to give way to too much emotion. "'I's done it, Massa Tom!' he cried exultingly. "'Done what?' asked the young inventor. "'I hope you and Koku haven't had another row.' "'No, sir. I don't want nothing to do with that ornery low-down white trash, but I's gone and done what I said I'd do.' "'What's that, Rad? Come on, tell us. Don't keep us in suspense.' "'I's done some detective work. Less like I said I'd do, and I's cotched him. By golly, Massa Tom, I's cotched him black-handed, as it says.' "'Caught him? Whom have you caught, Rad?' cried Tom. "'Do you suppose he means he's caught the man you saw up the tree, Ned? The man you think is a German spy?' It couldn't be. I left him only a little while ago hunting for his telescope. Then whom have you caught, Rad? cried Tom. Come on, I'll give you credit for it. Tell us. I's cotched that Dutch sauerkrauter. That's who I cotched, Massa Tom. By golly, I's cotched him. But who, Rad? Who is he? I don't know his name, Massa Tom, but he's a sauerkrauter, all right. That's what he eat for lunch. And that's why I calls him dad. I's cotched him, and he's locked up in the stable with my mule Boomerang. And if he tries to get out, Boomerang'll just naturally kick him into little pieces. That's what Boomerang will do, by golly. End of chapter.